My first guest is one of the most opinionated people in sports commentary today, and he's also a soap opera star. <laughs> Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, ESPN Stephen A. Smith. What's going on, Big Tom? How are you, man? I'm doing very well. I know you're in the New York market up there. I'm down in Houston, Texas, doing my live show on Monday. Uh, we talked a couple of times while you were vacationing and relaxing, but every time you look around, man, it's all about money, brother. It's all about big money in yeah. sports. <laughs> well, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you know, when I'm on the lecture circuit, a lot of times when I'm giving a speech, mm-hmm. um, one of the things I tell people every chance I get, um, of all the goals I have, and I have many, as you well know. Yes, sir. There, there are two goals that stand out. When I'm working for somebody, mm-hmm. goal number one, I walk into work every day thinking about how I can make my bosses more money. Yes, sir. Goal number two, how can I get my share of it? <laughs> Thank Period. you. Thank you. When it, it all starts from there. Um, because if you don't have that mentality, Mm-hmm. then you're not paying attention to value, not just the value of the corporation that you represent and you work for, right. but you're not paying attention to your own value. Right. Because when you think about monetizing things for somebody else, it breeds from the fact that you're trying to elevate your monetary value. Absolutely. And when, and when you understand that mode of thinking, then it makes everything purposeful in terms of your approach to doing the things that you do on a daily basis, and it inspires you to move forward and to make things happen because you're planning on reaping the benefits of your productivity. Let me ask you this, Stephen A. I'm on the phone with ESPN, uh, Stephen A. Smith from First Take, a show that I actually record. <laughs> if I miss it, I'm, if I miss you live, I got to record it, okay? So it's yeah. on DVR. What makes, what makes, you know, I've been fans since Skip Bayless was on there. Now you're doing your thing with Max and Molly as the host, co-host. What makes that show so special, First Take? Well, for me personally, um, I think it's a combination of a couple of things. Number one, everybody believes they're an armchair quarterback, for lack of a better phrase. Even me. (laughs) Even you, especially you, actually. (laughs) But you know your sport, so I'm not going to hate on you. The, the, The reality is clear. It's like... It doesn't matter. I remember I told this to Max one day when I was I was debating him about the art of debate uh-huh. off, the, off the air. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, you got friends, don't you? He said, of course. I said, Jay, you're hangout buddies, right? He said, absolutely. I said, you're the foremost authority on boxing, and you're an insider. Isn't that correct? He said, yeah, that's why I work on HBO. I said, how many times do your boys argue with you? Mm-hmm. He said, every day. Mm-hmm. I said, because they think they know, even though you're in the profession, you have access. And as a result, you have a license to pontificate and editorialize and opine, et cetera, et cetera, because you're coming from an informed perspective. Right. But you still can't tell them anything because they think they know. That's the world of sports. And so what happens is, is that when you look at first take, First Take is a debate show where folks are supposed to give you multiple angles. Chances are 99.9% of the time you are going to agree or disagree with somebody. That's right. That's right. And so that's one of the compelling elements. The other one is, you know, and, and I take pride in this. I don't wake up every day thinking about what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I wake up every day thinking about what you want to hear about. And those are the subjects that I tackle. I don't, 
I don't sit up there and I, I, it's, it's my show. And because of that, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. I read the papers. I listen to radio. I watch television. I know the news. I know current events. I know what's going on. And based off of that, along with my journalistic background that spans 25 years, even <laughs> yes, though a sir. lot of people want to ignore that, yes, I've sir. been a journalist for 25 years, it's my job to know what's resonating and percolating in the mind's eye of the viewing, listening, and reading public. And those are the subjects that I tackle. So you, come, you combine the interest of the fan, collaborating that with the, the art of debating, knowing that you're going to touch somebody's right. trigger points and pulses, and I believe that's what makes the show successful. It is successful. Now, okay, this money-making conversations, so let's get started. You've been seeing them on the media tour. Four cities. The Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather promotional tour. Your thoughts and your thoughts on who actually going to win. Well, first of all, to answer the second question first, if Floyd Mayweather loses, it'll be the biggest upset in the history of boxing because you're, you're having somebody who is universally recognized as one of the best who have ever done it who would lose to a guy that has never been in a boxing ring in his career. It's something that's never happened. It's something that no one on the planet would predict would happen with any sense in their brain. Floyd Money Mayweather in a boxing ring should completely outclass and destroy and embarrass Conor McGregor. But, now, but, Conor McGregor... But, but Stephen, let me just say this, but a lot of rumors out there saying that, hey, if he lose, there's a bigger check in a rematch. Well, you could say that it's a bigger check in a rematch, but it doesn't negate the fact that it would still be the biggest upset mm-hmm. in the history of boxing and an extreme level of embarrassment for Floyd Money Mayweather. Undefeated. Now, if he now, if he doesn't care about that, that would be different. But other than his money, what does Floyd Money Mayweather brag about more than anything? The fact that he's undefeated. Defeated, right. That 49 have tried and 49 have failed, even though some guys he fought twice. Right. In the end, what it comes down to is that that unblemished record is attached to his legacy. And if you're going to compromise it, it would be one thing to lose to Canelo Alvarez. It would be one thing to lose to Triple G. It would be one thing to lose to a young lion like Errol Spence Jr. or a Terrence Crawford. But to lose to a guy who's never boxed in a boxing ring in his career, it would be the greatest and biggest embarrassment any boxer has ever experienced in history. Now, man, actually, you, on the word embarrassment, has the promotional tour been an embarrassment? Not to me. Okay. Um, it's a pugilistic sport. If this were basketball, football, baseball, things of that nature, I would be ashamed of what I'm seeing. Right. But in the they sport of boxing, it's, it's, a, it's a pugilistic sport. You right. have a license to assault, but also the license to be assaulted. Right. And as a result, anything that you can do to get inside of somebody's head and mind, to mess with them, to make mm-hmm. them over-anxious, to energize and invigorate them in a way that may compromise their level of poise, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, especially if you're Conor McGregor, and here's why. As much as people may have been put off by his comments towards Floyd Money Mayweather, I didn't embrace it as an indictment against black people because he kept calling Floyd Money Mayweather boy. And right, that's a, right. I don't like it. I, yeah. Please don't get me wrong. I don't like it one bit. As a black man, I don't like it. But you get getting but, in his head, though. But 
I wasn't offended by it because I didn't believe his comments were geared towards me. Yes, sir. It was geared towards that guy he's going to be in that ring against on August 26th. And the Conor McGregor that I have seen has religiously and perpetually antagonized, irritated, humiliated, and denigrated every single <laughs> opponent that he has gone against. What he's doing with Floyd is nothing that he hasn't done against any other fighter. And then on top of it all, he backs it up yes, sir. by going into the ring yes, sir. And, uh, or the octagon right. and knocking dudes out. Now, and he's he funny, do too. That to Floyd, but he's done it. And he's funny, too. Yeah, but, but I'm not even going by that so much, Rashawn. It's just that for me, you know, you have to look at things from a contextual perspective. Right. you got to mm-hmm. look at it and say, okay, this dude is doing this. What is it that we're talking about with Floyd? We're not just talking about a great undefeated champion. We're talking about a guy, no matter how bright the lights shine, he is ultra cool and poised under pressure. But... He is the guy that has been primarily responsible for the promotional and marketing arm of his fights for the last decade. Now, I know Floyd personally. I've spoken to him on many occasions. And Floyd was looking so much to this fight, not just for the money. He was like Stephen A. For once, I don't have to work. This guy will promote all on himself. <laughs> he said, and I've never had that available to me. And he's doing it. He's doing it. Promotion. And McConnell McGregor is doing it. Give the man credit for it. Awesome, awesome. Now, we got to go to a break, Stephen A. As usual, you can talk, brother, and I love you about that. But when we come back from the break on money-making conversations, i got to ask you about because we always talk about it, that soap opera career. I'm willing. I'm here. General Hospital. Here. If you don't know about his soap opera career, you're about to learn about Stephen A. Starring on General Hospital. And he's going to tell you the history of why he has a passion for General Hospital. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back with Stephen A. Smith. Money making conversations. We're also going to ask about the Ball family. LaVar and LaVon. Cool. We're back on my special guest from ESPN's First Take. Stephen A. Smith, you're listening to Money Making Conversations. Stephen A. Yes, sir. You had him on the show, the daddy. He's been making headlines everywhere you go. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I thought about this. What is the difference between Lavar Ball and what he's doing with his son, and what Richard Williams did for Venus and Serena Williams? Well, well, Richard, when Richard Williams was making noise, it was after his daughters had established their greatness um, and the fact that they had arrived on the scene. Laval Ball was prognosticating and pushing his son forward, and he made his son more relevant than he actually was. Richard Williams capitalized off a relevance that had already been established. Laval Ball used his mouth to make his son relevant, even though his son was gifted, even though he was playing well at UCLA. Yes, sir. He became more of a cult-like figure and more of a box office individual because his dad was running his mouth about him as opposed to his game, whereas Venus and Serena, their game showed up long before Richard Williams' mouth did. (laughs) I'd say that. Uh, Can the Knicks ever play basketball? The New York Knicks, can they ever play basketball again? Not for the foreseeable future. Uh, They stink. Let's be real. Uh, They're awful. Uh, but at the same time, um, I do think that they took a huge step in the right direction by getting rid of Phil Jackson. Uh, he was an absolute joke and an abomination as an executive. Even though he was an 11-time champion uh, as a head coach, he was horrible as an executive. He never wanted the job. 
he laughed to confidants about how he never wanted the job, but he couldn't help himself because James Dolan just kept up in the ante and throwing more and more money at I know. him. And as a result, he took the job simply to be the face of the organization to keep pressure off of James Dolan right. so James Dolan could play his guitar and, and, and run his businesses outside of Madison Square Garden and be happy with that. That's why Phil Jackson took the job. He didn't take it to do the work. A perfect example is uh, Shaq's unveiling of the Shaq statue at the Staples Center a few months ago. I yeah, Shaq gave you that shout-out. I was watching. Well, that, that's, my, that's my brother. You know that. He and I tight. And, um, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was there. And what was very, very telling is that the great Irvin Magic Johnson was not in attendance. Mm-hmm. There was a video that was played, and Magic said, I would love to be there. I'm sorry that I couldn't be there, big fella, but you know I got this new job. It's called President of Basketball Operations for the Lakers here, and I got to be out scouting. That night, UCLA was scheduled to play Kentucky mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament. Okay, Thursday night. And Magic, and Magic night. Johnson and Magic Johnson couldn't be at Shaq's statue's unveiling because he was out scouting. Yet somehow, Phil Jackson, who never travels anywhere but to L.A. By the way, for road trips, mm-hmm. is sitting next to his ex-fiance Jeannie on the podium with Shaq and Kobe. And I'm like, why the hell ain't you scouting? <laughs> the same excuse that Magic Johnson provided to us, not an excuse, but the same reasoning that Magic Johnson provided, that's exactly what Phil Jackson should have done. But he didn't do it. And it was, it was just, it, it was, metaphorically speaking, it was just one of them things where you just said, this is the difference. Magic's out there doing the work. Phil's out there pretending to do the work. That's and that's amazing. why Phil's going. That's so it's a step going. in the right direction, and I'm happy about it. Now, now, we saw the collapse of the Clippers. Now, this is Houston talk now. Houston Rockets. They yep. just gave James Harden the biggest extension, and I, I have nothing wrong with that, him getting right. that money. They, they, he deserves it. He deserves it. Yep. Okay, but can Chris Paul, James Harden, who has to have the ball all the time, can they put a dent in Golden State Warriors? In the Golden no. State? no, they can't. No, they can't. They can put a dent in everybody else. Uh, they can get to the Western Conference Finals. But ultimately, they're going to run into the Golden State Warriors, and you have to remember, that's the Achilles heel. Yes, you have James Harden, okay? But if you're Golden State, you also have Klay Thompson. Yes, sir. Yes, you have Chris Paul, but if you go to State, you've got Steph Curry. <laughs> and there is no answer for Kevin Durant. Now, <laughs> it doesn't stop here for Houston, because Carmelo Anthony desperately wants to be in Houston. He's informed the New York Knicks that he wants to get traded, that he's willing to waive his no-trade clause for one of two teams, either the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Houston Rockets. He prefers to go to Houston. The problem is all Houston has to offer basically is the contract of Ryan Anderson, and that's not nearly enough. The New York Knicks are not going to take that. That's why you're hearing all of these stories about these multi-team deals. Three or four teams are involved in the mix because what the Knicks are looking to do is they're looking to get equitable compensation for Carmelo Anthony, and Houston can't offer that straight up. Now, Melo desperately wanted to leave because his relationship with Phil was pretty much over. Right. But now that Steve Mills is the president of MSG, mm-hmm. and he hired this dude, Scott Perry, who's a longtime league executive, mm-hmm. uh, African-American, mm-hmm. well-deserving of this opportunity, mm-hmm. certainly waited too long to get this opportunity. He deserved it years ago. He's now the new general manager for the New York Knicks. So because of that, they're hoping that they can change Melo's mind. But from what I'm told, even though Melo has no problem with them, he wants to go to Houston. 
So if Daryl Morey and those other guys are able to pull off something, get up multiple teams involved, mm-hmm. including the Phoenix Suns, who just won a second-round pick and they're willing to give that up for Eric Bledsoe, then fine, so be it, it's good. But it's going to take a multi-team deal in order to get Melo to Houston. We'll see if they can pull it off, but that is definitely number one on his list. He wants to be in Houston with Chris Paul, one of his best friends in the world, along with James Harden. That's where Melo wants to go. But aren't we still short, Draymond Green? I agree. Um, but at the same time, you got bounced out in the Western Conference semifinals. Some imposter wearing James Harden's jersey didn't show up for <laughs> yeah. game six mm-hmm. of the semifinals against the Spurs. I don't know who the hell that was because, I, I mean, James Harden was my leading league MVP candidate. I love his game. I love him as a person. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. But that particular night, I didn't even recognize him. I mean, think about this. James Harden, who averaged 29, 11, and 8. Yes, sir went the first 18 minutes of the game without attempting a shot in a playoff game. Now, that don't make any sense. Something was wrong. I think somebody spiked his drink. They did. They spiked his Gatorade, or they stole his jersey. Something happened. An investigation needs to take place because that wasn't the James Harden that I know and love. Right, right, All I'm right. saying is, is that with CP3, and especially if Melo arrives, there's no doubt in my mind it will be good enough for them to get to the conference finals so long as they don't have to run into Golden State before then. Wow. I think they would get to the conference finals, but that's it. Cool. Now, with the NBA, I, I'm, I, for some reason, I'm so excited about the NBA because I've actually been watching summer league basketball. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, you got young talent, mm-hmm. and these are young cats on to come up, but I got to tell you something. You want me to tell you the real reason why you were watching yes, summer sir. league basketball? Mm-hmm. LeVar Ball. LaVar Ball made you want to watch Alonzo. Yes. And wanting to watch Alonzo made you want to watch De'Aaron Fox out of Kentucky, Malik Monk out of Kentucky. Money. Uh, and, you know, and all of these other guys. It made Josh Jackson. Want- That's all right. right. Josh Jackson's going to be special. Uh, this kid, Dennis Smith Jr., out of North Dallas. Carolina State. Mm-hmm. As long as he keep his head on straight and get rid of those ridiculous tweets like Mark Cuban made him do, he'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But I think those guys, I think you've got what Lonzo Ball made you want to do is not just watch him and imagine and fantasize him running the Lake Show. It also make you want, made you want to look at the other talents mm-hmm. that have been ignored, comparing them to him mm-hmm. and seeing what everybody has and imagining what they're going to do on the next level. I give all that credit to LeVar Ball. Well, I would tell you this. The talent, I haven't seen talent like this, I'll be honest with you, since, since LeBron came into the league. Mm-hmm. I'm talking, you know, when they're first 10 and even more. Right. Because I think Kuzma, that, that boy's going to clown with LeVar, with LeVar uh, uh, being uh, his point guard in L.A. Laker Lonzo. uniform. Lonzo, and, yep. Lonzo. I apologize. Lonzo Ball, uh, the point guard uh, rookie, second round, yep. second pick in the draft. So yep. so it all rounds up to be special. But before I get off the air, because I know I got to talk about this, uh, your soap opera career. I got to shift a little <laughs> gears from money-making conversation <laughs> and talk about something you love. Because you've actually had – Prolonged conversations about your acting because you've called me, said Rashad. Did you see the episode? What do you think? <laughs> well, listen, um, General Hospital. Here's the star of General Hospital, Stephen A. Smith. Well, well, I would certainly not take that from <laughs> Maurice Bernard, aka Sonny Corinthos, and the crew. I know, I, I know. Just this. joking, just joking. Um, um, General Hospital is a soap opera I've been watching for more than forty years. Mm-hmm. I was raised by five women. You know, my my mom, uh, who recently passed, along with my four oh, older sisters. Hear that? 
you know, and so what you have is, you know, you got four older sisters and you come into the house and you're not allowed to watch TV unless you're going to watch the soaps because all the TVs was on General Hospital. Mm -hmm. And so I started watching it before I, before I was 10 years old and I never stopped. You know, I mean, I go back to the days of Luke and Laura, Frank Smith, right. the machine and, mm -hmm. and, and, and all of that stuff. I mean, I mean, everything. And so. You know, I remember I showed up for a cameo in 2007, and two of the oldest characters on the show cornered me, and they said, you're supposed to be some expert in General Hospital, and they were bringing up storylines. I said, actually, that's incorrect. That was This was the storyline, and this is the year it happened, and all, they couldn't believe it. And so, you know, that was the only appearance, but it was it was only for 10 seconds. Uh -huh. But uh, they saw me on first take one day, and everybody was teasing me about General Hospital. I'm like, I'm not apologizing for anything. I love the show. And they asked me to come on. And when I came on and did a couple of scenes, Maurice Bernard, the star of the show, who is just incredible, he's an incredible actor, plus he's incredibly generous to me, spent time with me going over the lines and everything like this. And he was shocked. I knew my lines. And he felt like doing it, the camera didn't phase me and that I was a natural at it. So he had, so the, the executive director, Frank Valentini said, mm -hmm. could you do a few more lines? And mm -hmm. the next time I came back, they gave me a few more lines. <laughs> and I did that, and they said, we want to make this a recurring role for you. My character's name is Brick. Mm -hmm. I'm a surveillance expert for the mob. Mm -hmm. And they wanted me to come on. And the third time I came on, I almost panicked because they sent me the script, and it was four pages of lines. I had over 30 lines. And I was in like five or six different scenes spanning two days. And you got to remember, because of budget issues and everything like that, because it's a money-making conversation, the <laughs> soap opera industry isn't what it used to be. You right. had some of those shows that are canceled, but you still got Young and the Restless with my man Eric Braden, who stars as Victor Newman. He's a personal friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And you've got Maurice Bernard on General Hospital. Those are the two most successful soap operas. Mm -hmm. But they cut back from the standpoint that instead of having multiple takes and stuff like that, you need to be able to do stuff in one or two takes. And move on. And move on. And so for a very novice, inexperienced, amateur guy like myself who had very little interest in acting, I mean, I was sweating bullets, man. But, <laughs> Maurice, but, but the star of the show was coaching me through it, and he was like, I've been with people whose profession is acting. They've gone to Juilliard. They've gone to other schools. They've studied this stuff. They don't have what you have. When the lights come on and the camera's rolling, he said, the poise that you show is a natural, natural gift. Absolutely. Ice Cube and others Absolutely. looked at me. They were like, when you going to Hollywood? So suddenly I'm a little bit more interested in acting, but right. it's, it's, it's all for fun. I actually just enjoy being around folks who are doing it because they're so exceptional and they're so great. And plus, you can get away with anything because you're playing a role. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Stephen A., hey, yeah. man, you, you promised me two breaks. You're giving me more than I can ask for, my brother. I know you're busy. You got your 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 one point, your, East, your radio show starting in about 30 minutes, correct? I'm on vacation until next week, man. Next, next week, so, vacation. so you, you broadcast on New York and L.A., vacation well, next week. I'm New York, L.A. Terrestrial. I'm nationwide on Sirius XM Channel 81 at 3 p.m. Eastern Time every weekday, the Stephen A. Smith Radio Show. And, of course, I'm on First Take every weekday morning from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. I return to the airwaves for First Take July 31st. My brother, I appreciate you. Love you as a friend, too, man. as a younger Thanks. brother. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Don't change, okay? All right, my brother. We'll talk soon.